Today's episode of Jam Session here on Ringer Dish on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of the biggest cities like New York and LA, and they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh hot meals to hospitals and clinics fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants and business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000. That will help our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Again, that's theringer.com slash WCK. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. How's it going? It's good, Juliet. It's nice to see your face via Zoom. Likewise. Which is, which yeah, is how likewise. we record these podcasts. I started doing a new thing where I arrange my screen such that I don't see myself. I can only see you. How do you how do, you do that? I go into gallery view and uh-huh. then I move it so that only the like two people that I'm talking to or, you know, one person I'm talking to are visible. And I remove myself from, I like move the, the box halfway off my screen so I can't see myself. And it's really helpful. Way less distracting. I can't really figure out how to do that right now. So I went back to speaker view. I've been doing speaker view primarily. Is that unusual or most people are in gallery view? Mm, I think it varies depending on who you are, how many people are involved. Definitely makes sense for a podcast to do gallery view. I mean, speaker view because it's just okay. two people essentially. Okay. okay. But I just enjoy not seeing myself. You know, it's like when you're at a restaurant when we used to do that and you'd like had to face a mirror. Yes. Oh, I can't do that. I hate that. Or even like a reflective window. It's yeah. not what you want. No, it's not. Anyway, another week, another slate of celebrity stories in quarantine to discuss. Matt Damon in Ireland. Ben Affleck on the street smoking. Megan and Harry, we know where they are. Sort of. Sort of. We got a lot to cover. None more important than a very specific Instagram that set our corner of the internet aflame. And that was Nancy Myers posting a picture of her kitchen. And it was something. It was something because it looked just like the kitchen and it's complicated. Yes, it does. With one crucial element that we will focus on. Yeah, but it does. It has the same. It's like white cabinets, lots of sunlight, um, lots of farmhouse style. Yeah, exactly. There is definitely a vibe that she has going on. But then, as you noted in actually a really great Instagram comment that was populated at the top of my feed. Congratulations to you. (laughs) Shout out to the Instagram algorithm. Nancy Myers has not one, but two kitchen islands in her home. It's shocking. It's shocking. They also notably have different countertops, which I just find just so confusing. I want to really dig into it because one is like a kind of classic marble and the other is like a black, I'm going to guess quartz. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. And I just think the black quartz is so dissonant with the rest of the kitchen. I was shocked by this. So I love this number one because here's what I think is that when you're going to commit to a theme and a way of life and a a personal brand like go big you know and Nancy Myers is the queen of the kitchen and some might say the kitchen island and she's got not one but two and I respect that just on the terms of like living your own life out loud you know what I mean sure 
be you, Nancy. Exactly. And and be loud and proud about it. But I, I do also kind of see some practical considerations here, which I respect. So it seems clear to me that the marble island is the cooking kitchen mm-hmm. island mm-hmm. and that the other island, the the black quartz is the um just, you know, stuff, you know, things yeah. that you have in the kitchen island. And one is for actual cooking use and one is to delineate space and provide that kind of gathering um the area that you need in a kitchen. And I got to tell you Juliet, I think this is genius because I'm looking at like it, mine's not really a kitchen island. We have like a slight kitchen counter that's attached on the other side to like where our stove and our very small kitchen spaces. I'm looking at it right now. I'm going to tell you some of the things on our completely our small completely disorganized kitchen island. Are you ready? Um, I'm so ready. Okay. Uh, one Dutch oven that is not in use, but we don't have room for it anywhere else. A can of Dole pineapple slices. Uh, Yum. Some, all the potatoes that we have, our Sono speaker, a rice cooker, some candles, a deck of cards, some tin foil that I'm apparently saving, but I forgot that I'm not. So it's just like sitting there looking like trash that I'm trying to recycle, um, like a marble wine cooler that doesn't have any wine in it. Some cords. I don't know what those cords are for. I don't know why we can't clean them up. It's a disaster. Okay. It's a lot like, of stuff, Amanda. It's a lot. But because it's our only space, because the kitchen counter, the, the kitchen island is is such a crucial storage gathering space. It's where all your things are. So frankly, you need two. You need one for the cooking and one for the stuff. Yeah. And also one for like hanging out, right? Like I guess yeah. if you're cooking, you might not be, you might want people to hang around the island where you're cooking. And that's where this, that's where her stools are. But the other is just like another place to kind of like commune around. It definitely is very people oriented, this kitchen, which is funny because it's empty. Yeah, but it is also it is true that if you ever have people over, the party like always ends up in the kitchen. And you yeah. have been to a party in my home, and I try my damnedest to get people into the living room, which let's be clear is three feet away from the kitchen, so it's like not really a big ask, or to like get people out on the patio. And inevitably, everyone is just around the kitchen because that's where all the good stuff is, meaning booze and food, and that's where all the people are. So I sure. like that she has built this space, so there's like more room for everyone in the kitchen. Yeah. The lighting is also interesting to me because she has these two hanging lamps that I really like that they're over the main cooking island, which also to your point, by the way, that one has a sink in it and the other one does not. But the other one, like just like, it's just a, it's just like a little bit darker. It's just really over that second island with the black court. It's just, it's just fascinating. I wish she'd done a, a full on tour. Nancy, get back on Instagram. You can see that she has, you can see some of the chairs, which are like, seem to be like a darker, like a black rattan or weave type thing. So I think that we're supposed to understand this second island in in relationship to what's happening from where she's taking the photograph. There's a lot hanging off the scene that I think maybe brings it together, if you will. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. She also has um some storage space above her double ovens, which I thought was a great touch. I, th- I don't think you see that very often. We actually have some, I guess, over... It's not over our oven. It's over our refrigerator. And I have to be honest, we never use it. That's like where the things Hard that Nancy to get does. to. Nancy doesn't think about anything in that particular cabinet. Also, it, it you can't put anything perishable for sure, but even like spices or flowers or anything, because that cabinet's going to get so hot yeah. all the time being, totally. don't put your spices near the oven, everybody. I learned that from Melissa Clark. Anyway, I 
would love to cook in this kitchen. I, I think totally. that this kitchen is so beautiful. How do you feel about the cabinets with the glass doors to that display For, the dish? Firmly anti. Extremely yeah. anti. You, even though I'm a major mug collector, I'm still really anti. Like, I, I, I don't know why you need to be able to see inside. Plus, I'm really messy. So I, I would feel a lot of pressure to stay neat if it's showing and everything. This is the thing. I can't commit to this level of organization in my shelving. This is also why I don't understand open shelves. It's too much to ask. We have just, I've just told you what's happening on my extra kitchen counter, which is a disaster. I can't be expected to keep the cabinets organized too. I'm with you. The other thing I really like about this kitchen is the floor tile. It's like a stone and it looks like it would be cool in the summer, but not that cold in the winter. And I it just, it's just great. It's also just, it's really funny. I feel like Nancy Myers, since she wrote the modern love column about her and her ex, what she talked about, how that this complicated was like loosely based on them kind of. And then I'm just like, you, and then you see the kitchen you're like, Oh, right. It does look a lot like that kitchen, different orientation though, than, than the one that's complicated, but very similar. Yes. This just also brings me back to the television show that we pitched last week on Jam Session, which is let Nancy Myers do some sort of HGTV content. Like Nancy Myers, you can do director's commentary. You can give us home tours. Why isn't Nancy Myers doing her own architectural digest tour in her home of her stuff? I'm sure that there is someone out there who would be willing to edit the video for her. Nancy, now is your time. It's your time, Nance. Get to it. All right. Next. Matt Damon, one of our faves, he's in Ireland and this, this Irish town is very, has very protective over him. Amanda, would you like to explain? I would. So it was a very charming piece in the New York times last week uh, by Heather Murphy. It's the headline is a seaside Irish village adopts Matt Damon. And it is about how Matt Damon was apparently in Ireland filming the last duel, which is an upcoming movie directed by Ridley Scott, also starring Ben Affleck, which we will come back to. And Adam Driver, I, I believe. In- say, yeah, I feel like he's been shooting the last duel for like the last three years. I know, but that's just kind of how time works. It's I think <laughs> I it's only so. been maybe seven months. There were some truly astonishing set photos of both yes. Matt Damon, but particularly Ben Affleck on the set of the last duel, which feel like from another lifetime ago, even though I think it was last fall, but they are quite memorable. So I do understand you anyway, Matt Damon was in Ireland filming for the last duel. And then because of COVID-19 production was stopped and he apparently stayed in Ireland and has just become a part of the local Irish town And the piece is about how the Irish town is like very protective of him. And this New York Times writer is trying to write about like the Matt Damon sightings and posts on the town Facebook page. And everyone on the Facebook page is like, leave Matt Damon alone, like protect Matt Damon. We are giving him privacy. And there are a few cute stories about him being on the street and how they now call him Matt O'Damon, but it's uh, (laughs) which is hilarious. But it's really just about how Matt Damon has acclimated to the local Irish life and how the town is is so proud and protective of him. And it's adorable and very charming. Matt Damon gives me everything I want in a celebrity that like he is he still plays the part of like regular guy really well. And he's just to be clear, not regular at all. But that's okay. He is just really good at at sort of blending in. And he also clearly just likes to travel. Like, you know, he goes to Australia as well documented on this podcast. Now he's like 
He's always like buying homes in different places. He just seems like exactly what you want Matt Damon to be. And also this is going to be a great Matt Damon movie in 10 years. Yes. Well, so this is what's interesting about it is the Australia I'm best friends with Chris Hemsworth episode is kind of the real exception in the Matt Damon celebrity plan, because it's very rare that you get photos, paparazzi photos of Matt Damon anywhere, but especially like on a yacht celebrating somebody else's birthday. He just doesn't yeah. do that. And a, a part of what I liked about this story is that it's like very charming. And I think the reporter, by the way, does a, a very nice job of kind of being like, well, I tried to write this story, but no one would help me. But in a way that makes it about the charming people rather than re the reporter herself. But Matt Damon doesn't like to be a public celebrity. And he, we talk about this all the time is that there are ways to live your life where you're not kind of in the spotlight or in the paparazzi zone all of the time. And Matt Damon has made that a priority. And that's why he is kind of hiding in Ireland and protected by the people while his best buddy, Ben Affleck is out here on the streets of Brentwood getting paparazzi every day. There's, we have a new iconic, not quite sad Ben Affleck, but just solo Ben Affleck smoking photograph to add to the collection this time with the mask. He is now wearing a mask when he goes on his <laughs> walks, which is good. You know, and again, I hope Ben Affleck and everyone around and on it are, are safe and healthy. That's all we want for them. But it is remarkable to compare the two who started together and, and who are working on the same movie even. And my one guy just in Ireland becoming one with the people and the other is just getting paparazzi every single day. Every day. Um, I believe Ben Affleck's mask was camouflage, if I recall correctly. And <laughs> the whole thing is just, it's just a lot. The other thing that was really charming about the Matt Damon situation is that Heather Murphy, I believe she alluded to this and it's like on Facebook. She went into various Facebook groups asking locals to help her like with the mm -hmm. reporting and they were just like, leave him alone. Why won't you leave him alone? <laughs> it was pretty sweet. I really enjoyed it. Um, the thing about the, the dichotomy between the two of them is they obviously love each other so much. And, and I say, obviously, because listening to Matt Damon's appearance, I believe in 2018 on the Bill Simmons podcast, my favorite podcast of all time, just the, the love was very clear and it was very sweet. Um, but they just have really gone about things really differently. I think the other thing is like, you know, Matt Damon has not tried to be a superhero and Ben Affleck for various reasons was Batman for a short time. And mm -hmm. there's just like certain impulses that Ben Affleck has found ways to fulfill through his celebrity that Matt Damon either lacks or is just like controls a different way or fulfills in a way that we're not privy to essentially. And another really crucial thing is that Matt Damon did not marry a fellow celebrity, but Ben Affleck has almost exclusively dated fellow celebrities. Yes. I think all of that is very true. I think there are specific decisions that each of them have made and then, you know, consequences and ripple effects from that. To be fair to Ben Affleck, his children also live in Brentwood where yeah. paparazzi camp out all of the time. There are certain things that it's just kind of Matt Damon is able at this point because of the way he's structured his life to just kind of hang out. And if Ben Affleck wants to be a father, he has to kind of be in a hot zone. And we're going to talk more about specific paparazzi hot zones in Los Angeles. <laughs> and it is, it's a real thing. This isn't like good person, bad person or no. And I love them both to be clear. Yeah. 
deeply. It is really interesting. You know, another thing that you were, we were talking about before this podcast is you sent me a screenshot of the, um, the top stories on us weekly right now. And you noted that they were all, uh, reality TV star related stories. And you know, that is even at this point when everyone is kind of living in their own reality show on Instagram, kind of unusual, but you pointed out rightly, I think it's because like the traditional celebrity apparatus is just pretty much done. Yeah. So the four stories are Kristen Cavallari's inappropriate marital conduct allegations explained. Nick Vial calls out righteous and vain Maddie Pruitt. Don't be a liar. Bachelors Peter Weber and Kelly Flanagan are fully dating and why Stassi Schroeder and Katie Maloney are actually unhappy with Kristen Doty. I mean, those are also like in a different time and a different era. Those would be like pretty niche, but they're but the point is they're not niche anymore. But like the way that they're written is so specific that it just assumes like a level of knowledge about who all those people are that I wouldn't assume people have. But I guess the us readership is familiar with all of them. Yeah. And I think it might be a little bit like a chicken or egg of these are the types of stories that can still like be quote celebrity stories right now that you're used to following like the ups and downs of whatever reality or Instagram person commented or did this, that or the other. They're kind of used to manufacturing narratives on this level and in this way. And so then those are the stories that bring people to us weekly. And there isn't anything with the exception of the Ben Affleck photos, there aren't that many quote, traditional movie star celebrity stories to, to bring people. And so it's like, what, what is out there is filling up the space. Yeah. And also Kardashians aside, one thing I've been thinking about, and I think this will continue for a while is this moment reminds me a lot of 06, 07 during the writer's strike when Mm -hmm. there was so much more celebrity, content and just television content based around reality and unscripted because that's you could still do that while while writers were were on strike and it's interesting how the sort of the reality um is so much more nimble because of the fact that people are like willing to use their own lives to create content and whatnot and it's just it's just this moment really brings into focus like how much if you're willing to make yourself available in, as in your, or at least make your public persona available. You're able to get more famous. Like this is also might be algorithmic cause I've been exploring this more, but like I now know the names of like all these TikTok stars who they've been written about and like they've been in the New York times, but like didn't really register for me, but because there's like an absence of new movies and there's an absence of even like the standard paparazzi shots of people in New York and LA and, you know, on the Riviera, like there, I, there's just more room for these people who are like at home in their bedrooms or like going for a walk around their neighborhood to get, um, headlines. And yeah. it's, it's interesting with certain exceptions. It is also reminds you that it is participatory, right? Like that yeah. the reason previously or like, you know, 10, 15 years ago that Julia Roberts or Tom Hanks or someone would be famous is because they were promoting something. And so they were like out in the world participating. And to some extent, that's like the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon dichotomy is that Ben Affleck is now still participating to some extent. Now, some of that is just because of previous decisions that he's made. And now he's just kind of in the center of it. But again, I, the regularity with which he and Anita Armas have been out and photographed is purposeful or, you know, it can be avoided as we have learned from basically every single other major movie star who is presumably quarantined right now and is not being photographed with that regularity. So, but some of it is, is that 
fame is people who are who are seeking it out to an extent and you can yeah. seek it out in different ways but right now it is and again the the apparatus and the mechanism of it favors reality stars and instagram stars and tiktok stars and all the people um who can participate in that way but they are they've got time and they're participating it's really weird when I like peruse TikTok. I just want to say my pick, my TikTok phase was really short lived. I was like, this is too noisy and like too much of a commitment for me. It's not passive at all, but it's really funny seeing all these, like in, these young women influencers and in, who just do dances adding Noah Schnapp, who's the, who is will on stranger things. And there's like a whole mechanism of how the, like basically kids who are growing up on TV, prim- primarily the stranger things stars, like just, they they operate and they message to people who care about them in a way that is just so foreign to me that like it really I know it's like kind of like a, a pretty common saying for people to be like TikTok makes me feel old but the specific like messaging and coding and like w- the currency of that platform is so so confusing to me that uh, it's just very it feels like a paradigm shift and it's just it's weird to be living through a moment where you know that everything is changing and you can then like see it manifest in so many different ways. Yes. And also that you don't have a lot of say in it, which of course you, we, we are manipulated all the time by all things algorithm that are, but my TikTok experience, which I, I kind of took a break and then I've gone back and I realized I have no idea how to control my algorithm. And mm. number one, that's how, you know, I'm old as shit. But number two, I just, all I know how to do is swipe through it. And I can see that the app thinks I want to see certain types of things. And I know it's based on prior usage and, you know, how long I've been sitting there, but I don't think the algorithm totally understands me, but I have no idea how to change it. And so I'm just kind of like, well, I guess this is who I'm going to know about now. And this is how it's going to, how I'm going to be manipulated. And that feels really strange. I typically have been able to, um, make more decisions in terms of what I consume (laughs) and who I consume and who I want to give my time to. So that's a really weird one. It's weird. It's a weird moment of like seeing things halt while other things accelerate. Mm -hmm. Very strange. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our weekly Megan and Harry update. But first we've got a new podcast. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I wanted to tell you about a new podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network that we are launching this week. It's called TV Concierge. It's only available on Spotify. These are 12 to 15 minute mini podcasts that review the latest TV shows streaming on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, FX, Apple TV, wherever else. We'll preview new shows that are launching. We'll break down the biggest shows that just launched. We'll review the biggest binge watch seasons that drop as they happen on Monday. We're launching three of these, all mini pods. You can listen to one. You can listen to all three. It's up to you. It's our new TV concierge podcast from the Ringer Podcast Network. Think of it like a little bit of a playlist. Pick and choose the ones you want to listen to. It's available only on Spotify. Next, Megan and Harry, page six, ran a mildly invasive story about where they're staying. And it's in a gated community in Malibu, which I just want to say was our absolute first prediction back in January. (laughs) That is true. You've been saying Malibu. I've been saying gated community. They came together in one place. They really did. So I will say I had to Google this particular gated community in Malibu. I had never heard of it. The name of it is Sarah Retreat. um, And it's like up in the hills of Malibu, essentially, I believe. It's not 
that far up in the hills. That's the thing. So for people who are not familiar with the geography of Malibu, Malibu, kind of a a weird situation. It just, there is the uh, Pacific Coast Highway, the one which runs along the ocean. And Malibu is basically just built around that one road that, which is like a highway. And then up in the hills, which are, or the mountains, which are like very close to the ocean in Malibu, which makes it quite beautiful, but it is basically just like the highway and then things in the hills. And there are a few places where there's like a little bit of like flat land or community away from the one before you get up into the hills, which is where like the big Malibu mall is. And a few about like quote Malibu town is, but it's pretty small. And they appear to live like very close to that. Yes. The beach in Malibu, the beachfront is hard to get to because of all the houses, but it's technically all public. So like, if you really want privacy, can't be on that beach. David Geffen famously had a feud with the city of Malibu over this before he just retreated to his yacht and then retreated off of Instagram. Um, One thing I wanted to note after learning about this, I wonder if some of the paparazzi photos we've seen of them, like getting in and out of cars is outside of not their own home. That would make sense to me. I mean, they were doing the charity uh, delivery meal delivery, and that presumably would not be at their own home. Yeah. And also, I mean, you don't see photos inside of gated communities for a reason. I think it's hard to get them. Right. I was um, running by the gated community that is near my home that I mentioned last week. And there were a few cars waiting outside the gate. And I was like, oh, I wonder if these are paparazzi. And I came like this close to trying to figure out a way to do like a six foot, like wave my arm, be like, hello, are you paparazzi? Who are-? And then I was like, you know what? I don't need to be a part of this industry any more than I am. I'm just going to keep it moving and protect everyone's safety and also not support the paparazzi. But yes, I mean, that is the point of the gated community, right? Is that they can't yeah. get totally in. I just want to say, I also ran by the gate another time and the gate was open. And like, if I run through the gate and then get arrested, will you bail me out? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Thank I mean, you. Hopefully I'll have the cash on hand. I don't know what your bail would be, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> okay, don't do anything you. too bad. So it's not too expensive. Okay. Okay. I got it. I'm just going to go jogging. I just want to see it. Okay. Perfect. I wanted to add two more quick Megan and Harry things, which are really just Harry things. They actually like, they're starting to do some of their work, their charity yeah. stuff. In, in addition to their trial, which nothing really happened in the first hearing beyond like all the text messages that kind of came out in the news and we talked about last week. But Harry unveiled a, a mental health initiative for uh, veterans and military officers in the UK. And that just made a lot of sense. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, you're doing a thing. Now I understand part of what your mission is. And then he also read a book for, he read a Thomas the Tank Engine book for children to go along with a Thomas the Tank Engine anniversary episode, which the first thing I want to say is I caught a screen grab of of what Thomas looks like these days. And I, I don't know whether they like updated it with animated technology, but I was very freaked out by the kind of 3d <laughs> surrealism, like that the, the children are dealing with, with Thomas, the tank engine. Maybe it was like that 20 years ago. And I just don't remember, but that was pretty startling. Number two, in one of my lower YouTube deep dive moments last week, I don't know. I have a lot of time on my hands. I found, um, Fergie, the Duchess, 
of yours. Oh, yeah. YouTube page where she has been reading children's books on YouTube um, for children. She does a new one every day, like for a while now. And I have to tell you, she was reading one of my favorite Maurice Sendak books, Pierre. I don't care. Oh, yeah. The YouTube video had like 400 views. And I was just like, this is a real struggle YouTube situation for Fergie. And then Harry steals her whole mojo and is suddenly doing it for thousands and thousands of people. I felt a little bad for Fergie. That's what I had to say. Poor Fergie. I'm, I'm a huge Fergie fan in general. Are you talking about the Duchess of York, not Fergie? Steve yes, Ferguson. I am talking about the Duchess of York. This is still like a royal update. <laughs> Sorry. I, no, I, would... I thought... <laughs> I was thinking about Stacey Ferguson, who sings London Bridge. Um, I also like Sarah, the Duchess of York. Less of a big fan. I I do feel bad for her, though, in general. Like, in general, she has my sympathy. So I agree. <laughs> it's just like, it's tough when you go through all the YouTube videos and it's just like 400, 500 views. And she's in like a lovely, like conservatory greenhouse, like, you know, porch situation, reading all the books. It looks very cozy, like an English grandma, like reading you books and no one cares. So, well, she's still living in that good apartment with her disgraced ex-husband. So yeah, she's okay. There's that. Yeah, there's that. She's okay. okay. Moving on. All right. I watched the Jonas Brothers concert documentary on Amazon Prime Video, which was hundred and about 100 minutes, an hour 45. I don't recommend anyone do this, but I did. And I have a whole new perception of why we had a lot of photos of Sophie Turner being a supportive wife last summer. And the wives are like very much in this documentary trying to like show who these guys are and like Priyanka Chopra's in it. And Kevin Jonas talks a lot about his wife and like how much it means for like for his kids to see him on stage. And then there's Sophie Turner and she's like a big part of Joe Jonas's shtick. And I now think that she like overemphasizes being in the audience for the cameras. Like I, I think that she's like being like in a nice way, like not in a fake way, but she's like being a good wife by giving them good footage. She's an actress. She knows what to do and how to be on camera. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I think that they are definitely aware of their appeal as a couple. I mean, I think that's part of the reason that they keep doing these things. Like it, it yeah. worked, right? We followed their wedding. We know who they are. We're interested in them. And again, as we were talking about earlier, you know, Fame goes to people who participate and they are clearly willing to participate. That's why they did a second documentary that you watched, which don't worry, I'm never going to watch. <laughs> I'm slightly too old for Jonas Brothers. So I continue to be amazed by their longevity and the fact that so many people seem to be willing to watch uh, multi-hour documentaries about them. They seem surprised as well. And so am I. But here I am. I'm actually interested in the content. But they, you know, they, they give a lot. I think that's part of it. They make you feel like that you are seeing inside of their lives, which I'm sure you're not actually. For some reason, Nick Jonas just strikes me as someone with a lot of secrets. So I don't believe that I'm actually getting the real Nick Jonas, but like, that's okay. I'm interested in this performance of pop star. So that's why, that's why I watch. And also like, it's funny for them to be aware that they're like doing all these boy band tropes of like quasi matching outfits and like just being three attractive guys who do pop music, which is like not really in vogue anymore. And there's like a, a hint of conflict about that, but like mostly just like happy with their careers and like happy to be doing it together. It's kind of sweet. I don't know. I, I'm, as you know, I will literally watch any pop documentary, any one does not matter who's in it. So I was like, great. Something to watch on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they're interesting in a way because like it's it's right there in the title, the Jonas Brothers, who they are is part of the novelty and the reason that you're interested in them. 
And yeah. so it makes sense that people are growing up with them and then are interested in kind of everything that's happening beyond the pop music. Because again, I think the pop music was maybe just like ancillary to, oh my God, there are three brothers and they're in a band. And now we get to like follow all of them. Yeah. They had the whole Disney channel thing for a while. Right. On the topic of things that were watched over the weekend, many people tried and then stopped and then tried again and then stopped and then finally succeeded along with the Stephen Sondheim people who put on a streaming concert for his 90th birthday. Yes. So I'm aware that there were technical difficulties, but I don't really know what the technical difficulties are. Could you explain that? I didn't participate in this. The first, so Stephen Sondheim turned 90 and like Sondheim is like the like erudite musical theater guy like his I know who Stephen Stephen Sondheim is an extremely no. important artist I'm explaining to the audience Amanda okay. all right sorry I'm assuming everyone here I'm not assuming everyone here is a big fan and like also has like the understanding that like there's a difference between Stephen Sondheim and like Rodgers and Hammerstein like one okay. is a lot more about the music and one's a lot more about the lyrics the latter okay. being Sondheim that's fair and I appreciate that and those are really good points I just wanted it on record that I do know who Stephen Sondheim is and appreciate him and wish him a happy birthday even though I didn't watch his technically challenged live stream birthday party so broadway.com has been doing a lot of like streaming stuff and they did a 90th birthday for Stephen Sondheim and it started like 35 minutes late at least. And then when the first stream went up, the guy who was hosting was on mute and his name is Raul. And then, um, <laughs> and then he like, they were doing picture in picture and like it wasn't working. There were just all these issues. I just want to say it's really hard to do a successful live stream. So I really sympathize with them. It's really hard. We do a lot of them at the ringer. There's so many technical difficulties. It's just not nearly as easy as you think. So good job guys. They finally got it going. They did like on their fourth try of starting the stream. It actually worked. And then it was two and a half hours of like major Broadway stars singing tributes to Stephen Sondheim. And then a few major just celebrities in general, including Jake Gyllenhaal, who sang a song from Company with Annalie Ashford, who is excellent. I think she's most famous from being in Legally Blonde, but she's also in the new movie Bad Education on HBO. And she's really great. And then the second to last song was Ladies Who Lunch, performed by Christine Baranski, Meryl Streep, and Audrey McDonald. And they were like all drinking in their homes. And it was just like everything that you want those three women to be like doing it together, being like a fabulous woman at home in her bathrobe with a drink in her hand. Mm -hmm. It was great. I immediately became aware of this. I became aware of the technical difficulties because a lot of people were tweeting like, nope, wait, we lost him. Which can I just say, I actually really, I won't miss it, but I have a real affection for the two to three minutes where old people, including me, try to figure out the various technological platforms that they're using. I mean, and it's happening yeah. across the board from like the, the DJ battles to their tennis stars who are trying to figure out Instagram live and have never used it. It's great. It's very charming. Congrats to everyone for doing their best. But then I also became aware of just the screenshots of uh, Audrey McDonald, Meryl Streep and Christine Bransky in their bathrobes with their very strengths. I believe that Meryl had a martini glass. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And and then everybody else had had wine and they were really going for it. Yeah, they really were. The other thing is I think that like people forget or don't know, but Meryl Streep and Christine Baranski, maybe Audrey McDonald, I'm not sure about her, but Meryl and Christine Baranski are really good friends from Mamma Mia and Into the Woods, which is Sondheim's probably most famous musical. 
and they filmed that in London together. And I remember at like a couple of months later, there was a Vanity Fair party report where like the best tidbit in it was Christine Bransky talking about how she and Meryl and um, Tracy Ullman would like close down pubs together in London while they were filming. And like, they are just like good friends who like they're drinking buddies. So it was pretty, it was pretty delightful. Um, Christine Baranski as Diane Lockhart has been my Slack avatar for four and a half years. I really can't really love her. And they're both great. It was a good, a good moment. And it's just cool that like all of these celebrities are just kind of like down to do stuff right now. It is really nice. I just remembered about a TikTok that I keep getting served that I wanted to tell you about, which is just, I think my favorite genre of TikTok right now is like college age kids at home clowning their parents. And, but there is a very sweet one of a, I think a young woman TikToking her dad just watching the live Hamilton premiere over and yeah. over again in the office singing along. She's like, this is like, the f- it's very charming. And also shout out to all of these actors because people really do respond to these things. And it's a strange moment that we're living in. And I do miss production values, but also it's nice. I do too. Yeah. I really, I'm like sick of like home video, like of just like with one AirPod in. I'm like over it. I'm done here. I do kind of find at this point where if it's like a zoom screenshot of 18 people that my eyes are glazing over, like I trained my eyes, not really to look at banner ads on the internet. You know, I just kind of like, it's like, I don't see it. And now if it's a gallery zoom shot, I just like, don't see it anymore, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm just like, I'm ready for high quality production, but don't rush back to work people. Right. Something to look forward to. Yeah. And lastly, reading update. Amanda, what do you have? So I believe last week or a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about my reading plan and that I had been doing light reading, but I wanted to try Wolf Hall and I wanted to keep yeah. everyone. I wanted people to keep me accountable. So Juliet, I did start Wolf Hall. And I just have to tell you, Wolf Hall is fantastic. I get it. I like it's amazing. I believe it's a man Booker winner, isn't it? Yes. I mean, listen, like me breaking the news to everyone that one of the most <laughs> celebrated novel is fantastic is, uh, you know, it's typical Amanda stuff. I'm, But we all know. But I think what I'm just excited about is, and I think that I had maybe read half of Wolf, Wolf Hall and just not been in a place to read it. And so I thought that it was like a very, very challenging read. And listen, it is more challenging than, you know, say Agatha Christie or the newspaper, but I'm finding it like deeply accessible and immersive. And I just like want to be in the world and I really recommend That's it. That's the best I, feeling. Yeah. I look forward to reading it every night and I can also follow it. It is, it's like a novel while also being just this remarkable examination of political thought and character and history and religion, but wow, it's novels. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. There's nothing better than finding an immersive place when you're reading. I'm currently reading the Mars Room, finally. It's great, as everyone has said. Very, Mm -hmm. very good book. Yeah. In conclusion, we love novels. Reading is good. Yeah. (laughs) Bring back the novel. Indeed. Uh, Bring back the novel. Until then, keep reading. And Nancy Myers, please keep Instagramming. We'll be back next week. 